turn your Bible with me to the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and get ready for a transaction. I'll be on my side. The anointing will be on its side. And then you and I, you and I will hear and be on our side. I can hardly tell you how many times that I personally have gone home and, and realized how much the Holy Spirit has ministered to me, even though I was the one speaking the words, yet I didn't, my mind wasn't able to receive everything that the Spirit did. And I went home changed. I went like, wow, that was way beyond me. And that's what it needs to be, is way beyond me. Amen. That we're uttering words here and we're hearing words, but the transaction needs to be spiritual. So would you believe, would you say, would you agree that God has a purpose in us meeting today and that his word has the potential to change us dramatically? So if anyone's not changed, anyone's not changed, it's on them if everyone else got changed. In other words, if the, if the speaker and the Holy Ghost did their part and someone just went home and said, well, whatever, then it'd be on us. And it will be accounted for, not in hellfire and brimstone, but that we're not prepared, we're not in our place, we're behind when opportunities come. I, I've heard it said, and I believe it to be, that there's a, a, a judgment, judgment meaning a reward, for what we're called to do, whether we even get saved or not. So in other words, if he called you to be a prophet and you didn't get born again, or you got born again and never even went into that, we have to say God is faithful. He gave us opportunity. And that's what I want to minister on this morning is on, uh, I call it the big benefits of a little cooperation. And I, I ministered on this uh, the Wednesday before Resurrection Day. So here in Acts chapter 20, let's look in verse uh, 22. Paul is speaking. He said, now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. We'd have to study that to find out what bound in the spirit means. We would assume it meant that he is beholden to what Holy Ghost has told him to do. Have you ever been bound in the spirit where it didn't make sense? It didn't look like it was wisdom, but you were bound to do it without really knowing how it would go or how it would end. You were bound in the spirit. Has anybody in here ever been that way? It, uh, that's how I got to Alabama. We were bound in the spirit to go. And he said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save or except that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city. So he's talking about what's leading up to this point, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Would you say that with me? But none of these things move me. Now that's, that's how we're growing up. And we walk by faith and not by sight, which is the senses. None of these things move me. None of these things move me. So he's got a pretty bad report there about his future, saying where you're going, it won't be pleasant. There'll be some sacrifice. There'll be some standing. There'll be some persecution. And he said, yes, I, I know all that. I've, I've been witness to me in every city, but none of these things move me, move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself 
so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Well, we'd say this man was called. And all the great men and women that we have historically in the church, we would say that they had the same thing on them, like Smith Wigglesworth. He had a, a, a terrible affliction for five years where he, he was bleeding and, has, and is recorded to have been in the pulpit. Uh, he had a diaper on to try to keep the, blood, the bleeding from going out, but sometimes he would lose so much blood that he would actually pass out while he was ministering. But before he'd get to that point, he'd minister the miracle power of God and all that. We know John G. Lake. He lost his wife uh, in Africa, went over there and spent a number of years and started hundreds of churches. But he, he lost his wife. She, she, I forget what she got, but she got something. And he just, it was hard on him. And you look at the women ministers that in the past have been so assaulted, not physically, but assaulted for their gender. Amy Simple McPherson and, and, uh, and women like that that just didn't have a regular uh, obstacle in front of them just to go and obey God. They, they had a natural bent, built-in uh, opposition before they ever stepped up. It's a little better now, but it's still out there. Um, and so all of them had to say, but none of these things move me. The new leaving says, uh, and now I am bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me. Nothing to me. My life is worth nothing to me. Don't y'all know we pretty much hold our life as the most precious thing? The only thing that would be is that we'd give our life for someone, specifically our children or our spouse, we would. We'd lay down our life. But beyond that, we would say our life was the most precious and valuable thing that was to us. He said, but my life is worth nothing to me. What gives it value? Why is it worth something to you, Paul, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus? Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Wow. Well, he had a big call on his life. He brought us the, 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 the uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. He brought us that revelation which changed everything. Who we are and what we can do and what we can have. But let me just run this by us. What if he wasn't the first one that God had offered this to? He certainly was a unique individual and he was uniquely qualified in that he was a Hebrew and he was a Roman and that he had sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the, the premier Hebrew teacher. So he was uniquely uh, qualified. But what if there was other people that had been qualified and they had said no? We'll never read about their story. That'll be a secret that's alone told in heaven. But what if, what if that was not the first? So we would have to say the difference between Paul and maybe whoever else, or maybe no one else, is that he cooperated. He cooperated. Say it with me. 
he cooperated. We always have good success when we cooperate. And it always goes poorly for us when we don't cooperate. And the reason being is in Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says two are better than one. Two are better than one. So there's an implication here and in other scriptures that even if who you're following, that would be like in a military sense, it's better to cooperate even when you don't think that the what you're doing or what you're cooperating with is on the best course. That's always been a big hard thing for people is to, I'm with you as long as I agree with you. You can you can put marriage in that little spot right there. I'm always with you until I don't agree with you. And then, buddy, we are out of here. And you go, well, what's what's the what's the wisdom in that? Well, here it says two is better than one. Uh, in the uh, NLT, the New Living, it says two people are better off than one. Here it is, for they can help each other. Well, obviously, but the Living says at best, it says two can accomplish more than twice as much as one. So there you enter into a synergistic concept where one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand. You know, it, it's uh, we understand that in the physical world, in the natural world, we we understand that. The word cooperation, I looked up the, in the thesaurus, it means partnership. Cooperation means partnership. So there's a giving. In order to cooperate, there's a giving up of something in order to partner. You know, if you're not a partner, then you're the owner and they're the employee or something. You just tell them what to do. But a partner has to give and take, they have to cooperate. It means unity. It means alliance. So you forge something together for a common end. It means coalition. We understand that word. People have a common need or a common goal and they say we can do it better all together than we can individually. The word means harmony. It means synergism, obviously. It means union, and then only the thesaurus that I looked up says it also means to be in cahoots. <laughs> so cooperation means to be in cahoots. Are you in cahoots this morning? Are you in cahoots with somebody? Are you, are you Mr. Independent? Are you Miss I'll do it myself and I don't need nobody? I can tell you we can predict your future. We can tell you how it's going to turn out. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says two are better than one. It says they can help each other. That means we need help. Point with me to yourself and say, I need help. I need help. You do. It doesn't matter how good you are. You can be better. You can be more. You can be faster. You can be greater. You can be more productive, more fruitful. You can be every good thing that's good, better with somebody, even if they don't seem like they're bringing much to the table. Their synergism is abounding. I remember Debbie uh, had a unique prayer ministry and she just totally breathed and she thought about prayer all the time and I did not. I did not. So we would go in on Thursday mornings into a common area and we would pray together. And uh, 
I, I didn't realize I wasn't cooperating. I didn't realize that I wasn't there to be a, 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 the pastor. I was there to be a helper. I was there to cooperate. And so she would pray out something and I'd wait for her is the common way that we would pray. And then I would pray something. I'd get out there, the nations or something like that. And I wouldn't hear any amens from her. I would, she wouldn't say anything. And then a little bit, she would, she would pray exactly what I'd prayed. And she didn't give me any credit or any, any, you know. She would pray it out like it was brand new. Well, you know, I was just full of me right then. And so I, I was like, what is this? You're not listening to me, but you expect me to listen to you. And all those things that go into that, that's not cooperating. Well, I missed a big, big thing right there. She just needed somebody to be in the room with her to cooperate with her. My job was never to be, I'm, I'm hot dog pastor, I'm the husband, I'm the this or that. My job was going there and just be in the room and just amen and whatever else I could add, but it had nothing to do with her. And when I did and when other people did, there's several of you that have been with her in prayer and you know what I'm saying is true. She'd get way out there and she would accomplish. She would, she would build, she would tear down and build up. It was amazing what we got at our church and everything because of how she prayed. My sons have no idea how she has paved the road for them and their children, even though she's been gone for a while. Those things are still working. But I didn't cooperate. That's my point. I, I, I didn't cooperate. In other words, it was one is better than one or two is the same as two or whatever. I, I, I missed it and I did not enter in to that alliance, that, uh, what, what did we say, uh, uh, unity, that coalition. I just did what she was doing when I wasn't called to do what she was doing. I was called to be there so she could do better than both of us. And it's a real sad thing for me that I met because we eventually quit praying together because I just couldn't get around it. And she was frustrated with me and all that sort of stuff. I, this is very personal, but I'm, I'm telling you that it's genuine. And I learned my lesson. And I wish, wish, wish I had cooperated. Divorces are always a lack of cooperation. Because everybody's got an agenda. Like, I want to be this, and I, I think I should do that and get this, and you ought to honor me for this and that and other. But it's, it's, it's never that simple, is it? It's never where you break it down. Somebody didn't cooperate. Somebody didn't wait their turn and just say, I'm going to let her be the big dog, so to speak, and have her way. And then then if there's anything left over that needs help, I'll jump in. We, that's just rare. That's just not how it works in people. And therefore, now listen, we don't get near as far along as we should. Because two is better than one. It doesn't just mean two people. It doesn't just mean two people that... Uh, uh, that that there's strife. We talked about this Wednesday week where it's not just two people being in the room together or being married or being partners. It's that you cooperate, that you submit, that you come under, that you agree. And sometimes agreeing with someone when you don't agree that that's the way to go, but you agree to go the way they want to go. That's cooperation. Doesn't mean you didn't, you know, you're dumb as a rock and you didn't have anything to think about it. You had big plans. You had a, absolutely had the way, the path, the, but you just said, you know, this isn't my time. I'm going to cooperate. And 
doggone if it doesn't turn out better than what you ever even imagined. That's what cooperation is. So we know the opposite of cooperation is strife. And the word says in James, doesn't it, that uh, where there's uh, bitter envying and strife is every evil work. Every evil work. I mean, like how much? Every evil work. It is, it's the vault door that lets it all out. And we just put up with it. We just say, well, that's just people. That's just him. That's just her. That's just the system. And we never come back and say, you know, I just didn't cooperate. And it didn't go well for me, just like the word said. It wouldn't go for me. Because the word says in Ecclesiastes, if one falls, if you have two, you can get picked up. And so there's an implication there. It's not if one falls, it's when one falls, you need somebody to pick you up. Aren't we all grateful for someone that's picked us up over the years that we that we were in league with, that we aligned with? So um, now think about this. I've been thinking about this. So we're cooperating. Let's just go to the marriage and just say that. But it could be anything. But we're cooperating. And suddenly they, can I say, tick me off. They just, have you ever been just, uh, what's a better word? What's a, a, a church word? Blew me up or whatever. You know, you just got mad. You just got mad. You didn't like what they said or you didn't like what they didn't say. You, you, you deserved an attaboy and they just stood there and looked at you. And you did good. I did good. Aren't you going to say attaboy? No, they don't. So you're mad at them. And what's the first thing that comes into our minds when we get upset with someone and we don't agree with them? We resist them. They say, well, would you take out the trash? No. <laughs> Not today. Now, am I right? When we, get, when we get in disagreement with somebody... We start resisting them. We start being uncooperative. And so we default then to a one is the same as one and two is better than one. But we default to one is the same as one and we have no advantage. And we realize we find out exactly what two is better than one means. It's it's exponential. It's synergistic. It's just amazing. And that's why River Church is doing so well. If you. I wouldn't say in every realm, we're not going to go down the list, but we have just decided to cooperate with what we have, what we can do, who's here. I don't know what all, but, and, and that's how marriages make it 20, 30, 40, 50 years is there's just a lot of cooperating. Uh, I wish I'd have brought the joke about the little, yeah, <laughs> that it was good. So, I think that cooperation is a decision because when someone doesn't do what you want them to do or they do something you don't want them to do and we we begin to we decide we decide I said we choose to go into a mode of resistance I am not going I'm not going I'm not going to cooperate with you in other words we project the future that says I'm fixing to go into a failure mode because I'm not going to cooperate with you because you've hurt my feelings or you didn't do what you said or or whatever, whatever that. Yeah. 
And so we just we we use our faith to say in the future, I am not cooperating with you until my feelings come down, till till I'm not blustering or until you apologize or until you act right or until you come to me and say I was wrong and you're right or whatever. And so what happens is, is we have to endure how long our feelings, our negative feelings, our resentful feelings last. And that's when it gets better. Is that right? And has anybody in here not had those feelings? I think we all would have to say, we'd have to own it. It says, I, I have been upset and I decided to not cooperate. Not to submit, not to agree, not to come under. Uh, I decided not to. And so it's a decision. Maybe it's a subtle decision. Maybe we just let our feelings take over there, but we don't stop them and say, this is going to go, this is not what I want. This is not how, hey, damn boy, damn boy, pride or whatever that's, that, that caused it. Just say I'm sorry because you probably are, at least in some dimension. You don't have to own 100% of it because there's always other things that are factored in. Well, you said this is why I said that. Well, you know, all that's in there, but you just have to, you have to lose it and you have to, here it is, cooperate with truth. The two is better than one. And we wouldn't lose that truth, that benefit, that reward of two is better than one because it is so exponential that we would say, well, because my feelings aren't just right right now and you trampled on them big time and you didn't appreciate me and you didn't do what you said you'd do and you didn't have a good attitude with this or whatever. I choose to go into the land of desolation. I choose to just drop off into a fiery pit. Well, it's like, well, in that light, it seems like a big price to pay for being right. And we pay it all the time. And I'm not saying we to anybody. I'm just saying that's the human condition to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're not going to treat me that way. And that always goes back to reputation. I'm somebody and I deserve to be treated this way or that way. And I don't deserve and, I, you know, the word tells us that, that we, are, we have no reputation. Our reputation's in him. And we rise and fall in him, and there's no other condition. There's no other thing that you could say, well, it's me. Well, we don't care about you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. <laughs> Amen. So, how do we do that? Well, we get into these sudden fusses. Or disagreements. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to make it broad, but I'm, you know, but, but we're all used to what we're used to, and none none of us in here and says I have no idea what he's talking about. I've never done that. Well, then, then you're not cooperating with the truth. <laughs> so, uh, so rather than get into a place where suddenly something comes on, she says it, he doesn't, he. Whatever it is with anybody, not necessarily in a marriage, but anything, then suddenly, suddenly our hair trigger emotions are loosed. Suddenly we just, in a moment, you can watch it on people's faces when, when you do them wrong in their mind. And suddenly they just flush out and change and happy face turns into, I, I ain't putting up with this. I am not putting up with this. What have you said? I'm going to give you 13 seconds to make it right or 
we're going to war. So instead of that, which makes us very vulnerable, all of us, because most of the time, would you say most of the time, it wasn't what it seemed like. They weren't mad at you. They weren't trying to disenfranchise you. They weren't trying to put you down. It just was careless. It was just something they said flippantly or carelessly and maybe with even a little bit of a bite on it that says, uh, yeah, I'm going to bite you, but you can't really say I did. We're under that power, that control. And so all of a sudden we are subject or we are slaves to our emotions, our feelings, our pride, our self-worth. It's, it's under attack. And we so want to be somebody. And we so want somebody to affirm us to say you are somebody that we depend on that. When in the truth, we're somebody because the word says we're somebody. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks, says or doesn't do. You cannot deprecate me in a way that says you're nobody. You're a worthless thing because I know who I am in the word. So it's always defensive people are always people that don't know who they are. And so they spring to that that says you have trampled on my self-worth and I, you know, I, I just can't go there. I just can't abide that you don't think I'm wonderful. And so you act terrible to prove it. <laughs> so uh, instead of leaving our emotions to the happenstance of the day, we should decide. We should decide. I'm not going to go there. We should just decide. Here's what we should decide. I choose to cooperate. I choose. I choose up front before everybody's cooperating. Everybody's happy with me as far as I can tell. Don't care if they don't. But I'm going to choose to cooperate. And when that little mousetrap spring pops open, it won't affect me. Because I've already chosen the higher way, the better way. I've chosen to be who he said I was. I've chosen to do what he says I can do. I've chosen to have what he says I can have. And whatever threat or non-agreement thing that you or anyone does, I'm good. Would you all agree with me there? That would be a higher way. And we would miss a lot of opportunities for strife and every evil work. We hate the evil work. But once we get in it, we do not know how to get out. Because we're, we're sinking, we're flailing in the water, and someone throws us an anvil. And we just, we're, we, we don't know what to do. So I think it's real important, this thing of cooperation. I think it's kingdom. People don't get born again. Why? Well, they never heard the gospel. Sure they have. In America, you have. They just say, I'm not going to cooperate. People say, I'm not going to speak in them tongues. What is that? What is that? Is it like there's a danger? We've heard of people burning up. We've heard of people that just went crap. No, you've never heard of any of it. You just don't want to cooperate. And there's a lot of self in there, a lot of pride in there, a lot of I didn't think of it, therefore it's not a good idea. Healing passed away. Well, what is that? Why are people just wanting to go to the Old Testament and prove that healing's gone? Or the Holy Ghost passed away or whatever people are so strong about. Why are they so dogmatic? They just don't want to cooperate with heaven. It's like it's all about me. 
No, the kingdom's not all about you, but it's, but you're as special as anybody, but the kingdom's about the kingdom. And so you're going to have to cooperate to make the kingdom work. You know, we could go to the, the, the servants that had five talents, two talents, one talent. And you could say, what, what's up with that guy that buried his? Well, he had two boys right there with him that did good with theirs. But he looked at that and said, I'm not going to cooperate for whatever reason. He said, I'm not going to agree, come under, submit. I'm not doing it. And the word says it went bad for him. And it always does. So if you were to say all the things in your life, my life, that did not go well, they were always the result of a failure to cooperate. That the opportunity was there and I walked on by. I just walked on by and said, not today, not now, someday when I can make it my idea or when I can, whatever. I, you know, men don't like to be taught by their wives. The word says that, but doesn't make it right. Where would the world be without women doing what they do in the kingdom? Men are supposed to lead, but since they don't, we would be in worse shape than we are. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. So I said Wednesday week that the decision to agree to cooperate, the decision... It's, 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 it's suddenly somebody disses you, someone says something disparaging, someone let something out or said something that you weren't supposed to hear and you heard it. It's a decision. You go, well, I'm going to hurt them because of what they just said about me or to me. Oh, you didn't hurt anybody except yourself. You're going down. Have I, how do I know that? How do I know that? Because I've been down many a time because I just decided to take hold of that little, that little steer and show it a thing or two. So even if you don't agree, we have to, when you cooperate, you agree to move forward. Move forward. Say it with me. Move forward. They say sharks can't live unless they're always moving, always putting fresh water over their gills or something. If they ever stop, well, that's the way we are. We have to move forward because there is no neutral. If you're moving neutral or moving, you're moving backwards. And we always quit growing. And if we quit growing, the devil, the devil and the flesh will take advantage of us, take us out. And the recovery back is so Hard, so difficult. So I got to agree with God. So that's a doctrinal thing, but it's also a Holy Ghost thing that has nothing to do with by stripes you were healed. Sometimes Holy Ghost just says, don't do that. Well, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> I mean, how many of us could just make a list, a book of things where we, if we could remember them, we went, why'd that go down like that? Well, it's because I didn't cooperate. Holy Ghost or wisdom 
said, don't do that. My life is full of stuff like that. No telling where I would be if I hadn't backed up and just jumped in a hole somewhere instead of just moving forward. So would you agree with me that there's no victory if we don't cooperate with truth? Jesus is truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Truth stands forever. So if we don't agree or submit or cooperate with truth, truth, truth that we don't really care for, truth that we don't want to say, I want to do because I want to do something that's not true, rebellious or lawless or something. We, we just don't want to do that. I don't want to give. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be nice. I don't want to, I don't know, just all those things that we would look back and say, there's quite a little track of that in my past. Very subtle, very innocuous, very, nobody could ever call you out on it and say, what did you just do? It was just a slight, but it kept us off track. I think Holy Ghost has given us some keys here, or a key here, to fix things so that we can go forward at a high rate of speed. Go further faster is what I like to say. Because we go, well, it's the devil. It's the devil throwing that stuff at me. Ah, not that much. We are in a very devil conscious church age. But I can tell you, he has been whooped, double whooped, and then thrown under the bus and drove over whooped. He is not that big a deal. The only way he can do anybody is through deception. And you and I have to agree to the deception because we either know the truth and don't want the cost of it or we just don't know the truth and we're just taken away. But the devil, that's all he's got. So if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The devil's nothing. He's really not that powerful. Deception's all he's got. And most of the time, the trouble we have is because he deceives somebody else that gets in our way. Or comes to us and says, oh, I need this or I got to have that. And we go, that's not right, but I'll do it for you. And we get, anyway. First Peter chapter 1, look in verse 13. So I've got to cooperate with rules. It's not just a thing of Holy Spirit. We've got to cooperate with the, the rules in our life. Because rebellion is rebellion. No, it's not that you overthrew the government because you sold secrets to Russia. It's just that the, 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 the rule said don't touch that box because you'll die. And we go, I wonder if you'll really die. <laughs> and then we have to cooperate with ourselves. You know, when you know who you are and what you can do and what you have, you quit proving stuff to people. You love people, but you don't, have to, you don't have to be anything or do anything. You don't have to compromise for them because you know who you are. That's the most important message of the church. It's not to talk about sin. It's not to talk about, ah, you dirty dogs, you, you've been after it again. The, the most important message is Christ in you, the hope of glory, who we are. As he is, so am I. That, that message, that little verse right there will throw every religious icon under the bus. I mean, they cannot handle. As he is, so are we in this world. But it's true. He who knew no sin 
became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, yeah, I know that verse. You are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Oh, yeah, we quote that one all the time. But when it comes to the, to the crossroads, are you going to turn left or right? A lot of times we don't know because we have not cooperated. And that's the other thing. If you train your kids, and we're all kids in, the, in that sense, if you train them or let them not cooperate with you, even if what you tell them to do is not important, but you told them to do it or, or don't do it, and you let them get away with it, then you, then you embed in them, as we all have, a, a, a lack of cooperation. And then when it's like, don't touch that, it's 2,000 volts, they have no way of knowing cooperation is important. So when we don't train our children up to obey us the first time we speak to them in a conversational tone, did you hear me? When we let our children disobey us, when we speak to them, so we have to holler at them. I, I have to tell you again. I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm telling you, that's where we all came from. Is from parents that didn't teach us to cooperate, to agree, to submit, to come under. Because we say, ah, he's just a six-year-old. Let him go. Well, now we're 60-year-olds and nobody wants to be around one. Okay, verse 13. Wherefore? Let's read that part together. Verse 13. Ready to read. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Well, it must mean that our loins need girding up. What is talking that? That's a cultural thing because everybody wore a long skirt. I always say don't trust men in dresses. So I, I look... <laughs> Those Catholic boys that come out in dresses and a pointy hat, I, I, I don't trust you. So, but they did back then. They wore those. And so to run or to move fast, they'd have to reach down to their knees and pull up their skirt, their loins, which is this part here. They would pick it up so they wouldn't trip over it, just like women do today with long dresses. They pick up their skirt to go downstairs or whatever, they pick it up so that their feet don't trip. And he, he uses that analogy. He says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, get ready to run. Get ready to move. You're walking around. You don't hold up your skirt when you're just walking around. But if you get ready to run and go, he said, you need to pull stuff up out of the way. So I looked it up. NIV says, set your mind for action. So it's not cooperating just says, well, I'll decide each time whether to cooperate or not. Do you know how many times that mindset will let you not even know that you had a choice? If you have a mind that's acclimated to doing certain things that's right and good, then you don't even question it. So when it comes up, you automatically just do that. I knew somebody that uh, I, heard, I heard about them that they'd go into Walmart and get them a new set of shoes, put the old shoes in the box and just walk out. Apparently it happens all over all the time. But anyway, this person uh, didn't put their old shoes in the box. And so someone told him, says, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to pay for them. 
You're going to do what? I mean, she was indignant. You're going to do what? You're going to pay for them. Put the shoes in the box and let's go out the front door. This is what this person told me. He said, nope, I'm going to pay for them. He said, we ain't never paid for any shoes. He said, we're paying for them today. See, so for the one person, that was a, that, there wasn't a cooperation thing there because it was their culture, their mindset, their way of doing business. And someone had a, had a jump out of that mindset that said, today we're going to pay for the shoes. What you and I would probably say, well, everybody does that. Well, no, not everybody thinks that way. Am I right? So we all have areas that are just as egregious about that where we just say, well, no, we don't do that. Or I don't do that or we're not going to do that when actually the Holy Ghost is trying to get us to cooperate with truth so that that thing that we've been doing that is uncooperative will not snare us any longer. So he says in the Amplified, so brace up your minds. So would, could we say that another translation for that is decide to cooperate Brace up your mind. Get ready to cooperate. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get ready to cooperate. Get ready to run. Get ready to be changed. And everybody's believing for life and life to the full. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. That just means the door is open, but you still got to go through the door to cooperate. It doesn't mean standing on this side of the door is just going to happen. It means that there's opportunity there's potential and you can walk through it and God will give you a chance to make choice. Number one, what's behind door number one, Bob? It's abundant life. I'll take two. Is that right? The Lord told me last year or the year before, he, he said access is not permission. And I, I really didn't know what that meant, but it's really come to bear on me that just because we can not cooperate and it turn out they don't go to jail. It doesn't mean that God or heaven, I should say, endorses it. And, and we've all seen it, but we, we use the, the thing that says that if singers in big churches are notorious, that if they get the microphone, they're going to give their testimony and tell a little story and bring up a scripture. They're up there to sing. But they've got access. They've got the microphone. So they say they have permission. But access is not permission. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot of things in our lives that are just there because of the grace of God on us. But it's either not for you or it's not in this time or it's not even the measure. It's a counterfeit to what's coming. So access is not permission. Well, it's hard to cooperate with something that you have access to and nobody's hollering at you. In other words, nobody was hollering at the people about the, the shoes in the box. And I would guess that nobody looks at your feet going out of Walmart and says, those, you got on new shoes. Nobody comes in here with new shoes on. Totally, totally, could get away with it totally. So I have started examining my life that if I'm just cooperating with access, but I have no permission to do what I'm doing. So you have access to not give an offering. We all do. And we've taken that access many times, but that doesn't mean what Holy Spirit's leading you to do for the project that's ahead. I need you to sow a seed today. You go, well, God, if you, what big deal? Just do what you want to do. No, I need you to sow a seed. 
Because like Jonathan said this morning, a man's harvest depends completely and utterly on what he sows. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to have harvest over here. He knows it. And so he wants you to sow over here, but we don't have to cooperate. How would things go in our lives if we would give every time Holy Ghost just said give? I've been sending money out lately to the most unusual places. It's like, what? Why would you send something there? I hadn't even seen them in a year, but I'm sending money. Holy Ghost has said, let's cooperate. And so it's, it's op already opened a broad and a marvelous door for me in one realm that, that has not been opened in years. It just opened it up. I just sent them an offering. So then when I called, they said, hey, buddy. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I didn't do it in a carnal sense, but anyway, let's get back to this. Uh, the New Living says, think clearly. So it must be that uh, girding up the loins of your mind means you need to think clearly. And the CEV, I forget what that version is. I just write down the initials. Be alert and think straight. Be alert and think, th think straight. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm girding up the loins of my mind. I'm setting my mind for action. I'm not leaving stuff on the table. You ever heard that thing that says they left a lot on the table? There was more to have. There was more to, have to, to do. And they left it on the table. It says in Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 6. Oh, I've got to giddy up here. I've done the mess around here. Access is not permission, is it? Just because they won't leave while you're preaching doesn't mean that you have permission. Verse uh, where am I? Verse 6. Romans 8, 6. Excuse me. For to be carnally minded is death. What? Death? I mean, I would say to be carnally minded is inconvenient. Or is not the most opportunity. But he says it's death. But to be spiritually minded, to gird up the loins of your mind, is, to be, is life and peace. So Peter knew what he was talking about. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. So we'd say lack of cooperation. Now, help me here. Is enmity against God. This kind of nails it or something here. It's like it's not just like whatever, whatever. He said, no, it's death and it's enmity against God to not cooperate. <laughs> so then they that are in the flesh, the senses cannot please God. They that don't cooperate can't please God. Go to heaven, but not have much down here on the earth. I'm going to say that failures, excuse me, relationships in the church are generally pretty much failures. I, I think that uh, uh, church people are some of the most paranoid people in the world. I, I used to have a bumper sticker. I wouldn't put it on, but it says the paranoids are after me. <laughs> uh. But whiners think that everything that happens to them is unfair. But in fact, it's just because they wouldn't cooperate. It's not anybody. It's just that they have a perspective that nobody likes me. Well, you won't cooperate. You won't agree. You won't come under. And so in the church, people, people want help, and then they want to be friends. And if we'd cooperate, we'd be friends or, or whatever with everybody, and then there'd be help on the table. 
Like this guy, I, I sent this guy uh, a check for his ministry. Just sent him a check. He didn't, he didn't talk about money. He didn't say he needed money. But money always works. And I wasn't trying to get him to do anything. I'm still not trying to get him to do anything. But I knew he had a door that I needed to be opened. That he had, he had it, and I knew. So I said, let's make friends. So I called him and said, hey, old friend, let's be friends. I said, how long has it been since I talked to you? And he said, 100 years. <laughs> I think he was gigging me a little bit. I said, well, it hadn't been that long. So change isn't on the day of the breakthrough that you experience. Change is on the day that you decide to cooperate. So I'm choosing, I'm deciding, I'm, I'm submitting to cooperation. Even in the moment when I don't like it. I'm telling you, that's how I got to Alabama. Bama. There wasn't anybody in any part of my life, anywhere, that said, that's a good idea. We agree. We concur. Even Pastor Webb in Birmingham, where I was going, he called me and said, don't do it. And he was a man of authority in my life back then. He said, don't do it. You got a good church. You got a family. He just went down the list. And I said, see ya. And I got here. Well, that's just a little story. I, people are tired of hearing it, but it's my story. So I tell it when they let me up here. So let's get it more personal. How about if I cooperate for healing? Would I have to go through all this mess, this junk mess, if I would cooperate with God's plan for healing in my life? What about finances? How many people could have the things, the provision, the funding in their life that they need, that they need, and that they've asked God for? Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. But they won't cooperate in funding. It's pretty radical the way the word says to give. And we, we, you know, we just, and we've done real good. I think this church has done real well, as good as anybody I know. And not that we're on a grading system here, but just me observing that uh, and, and hearing other churches. But it's radical to give what the word says to give. And so well, I give my tithe. Well, that's a start. It is a good start. But you're not cooperating. Okay, let's get off of that for a minute. How about our calling? What, what would happen if we, we thought we were called? How many of y'all are called to something in the kingdom? Everybody's raising their hand because it's like, yes, we are. We all know that. We know there's a blueprint that was set in the, into motion before the beginning of the world. And everything coalesced and worked towards that end for you. I mean, he had to go back and get kin folks way back in your life to marry and, and where they lived. All sorts of things happened so that when you married, if you married right, if you cooperated. Why, why do marriages not work? I, I, there's a lack of cooperation. That's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, there's a calling on our life. We've got to cooperate. And it's so easy. It's so easy. If we do it just but it's like, well, I don't know about this and I don't know about that. If we'd cooperate, we'd know. So here's my question. And I'll be finished with this. What are you and I waiting for to decide to cooperate? Are we waiting for a real wreck to happen in our life and say, you know, I can do better. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change. 
It's the goodness of God. So there's no wreck coming where God says, I'll fix this broken thing. I'll, I'll send trouble and he will be sorry he didn't cooperate with me. No, it's the goodness of God. So that's not going to happen. So how much goodness do you want to have before you say, I want some more goodness? We're the most blessed people I know right here. I mean, it's just like there is no trouble. And if trouble comes, there's help for every kind of trouble here. We don't just say, well, the Lord wills it. You know, we just don't understand. We know and we go. So uh, to cooperate is to take risks. To cooperate is to take risks. Uh, obviously, we would be comfortable in not cooperating. And that's why we're, we're where we are and so I'm, what I've done is I have agreed. I have a new standard. This is for me. Y'all just take what you want off the table. But this is for me. I'm agreeing to cooperate with God about my life. It's like, duh, it's about time. Well, I've always cooperated a certain amount, just like you. But I found out it's a big, big key. And that it opens big, big doors. Doors that are open, uh, doors that are in my path, but they don't open until I cooperate to get in front of the right door. So why, why isn't my life going like I want it? Because you're not in front of the right door. How do you get in front of the right door? You cooperate on little things that are seemingly insignificant and trite, and it puts you in front of the right door, which opens into a room that has another door. Your whole life is a train of cooperations, of submitting, of coming under, of agreeing. I wrote a book on it. How to Cooperate with Heaven on Earth, The Power Keys to Promotion. And I was going to go through all the titles, but there's no needing for that. It's just cooperate with God. I, I say it works. How about y'all? Amen. So let's cooperate. Let's, let's decide. Decision is the place of power, and to, to decide to cooperate is the place of power to be in the right place at the right time. I shared with you how I messed up in prayer uh, and decided not to cooperate. It cost me. It cost us all for me not to do that. It wasn't just my sin or my whatever, my ignorance, my pride, whatever was going on then. Plenty, I suppose. Uh, and I'm not even saying that everything in the room was right. It could have been a little better on the other side of that too, but I'm not blaming. I'm just saying it was for me to make up the difference. And it's for you to make up the difference. I said, when people don't do it right for you, you can't get mad. You cooperate with heaven and it changes them so that they cooperate with you or it goes around them. No matter what anybody does or doesn't do in your life for you to have a good life, the Lord will either change them or he'll put you on the other side of them. He will always do it. So we are, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray and you agree. That means you open your mouth and say yes or amen or I don't know or whatever. And we we put words in heaven. We uh, we choose to cooperate. We declare it. We affirm it. We agree with it and say, Lord, from now on, I'm going to be aware of it and I'm going to cooperate with you and it will be well with my life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we've heard your word. We believe it's true. And we believe it's true for me. So we just right now, all of us, stop our busy lives, stop our, our normal and our routine lives. It's always been this way. And we say, I'm going to change. 
It's your goodness that's put me in this path. So we say, I'm going to change. Today, I'm going to choose. I'm going to decide to cooperate with you. I'm going to back up. I'm going to hesitate and make sure that everything I'm doing is in alignment with you, your word, your Holy Ghost, and the revealed plan you have for my life. You've revealed some things about me. You, you've put me on a course. I'm not just out in the woods. I know where we're going with this. So, Lord, for my life, for our life, I say, let's go. I'm going to cooperate with it. I'm not going to have my way, but I'll have a better way. In Jesus' name, we say yes to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you to talk to us, to nudge us, to put markers in our path, because now we're going to see them. We're going to seize them. If things are going to be different for us and our friends, our family, our future. Our money's going to be right. Our bodies are going to be right because we choose to cooperate with you. Holy Ghost, we submit to you. Please, please don't give up on us. Move in our lives like we've never not cooperated. Just, Lord, pick up and we will do it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, yay.